0: Okay. All right, gals, we want to welcome everybody here, but especially our first-time visitors. Do we have anybody here for the very first time? Would you wave me down? Welcome. So good to see you. We're so glad you're here. Anybody else? Oh, good. <laughs> Welcome. Nice to see you as well. Good. Well, I'm sorry to say that we only have um, a couple more weeks left. So, <laughs> I'm glad you're here, though. And um, and we just love having um, first time visitors. But you're only a visitor once. Now you're one of us. Okay. So we just love to have our impact girls all together. Oh, gals! I what a what a good morning to gather. As I was driving in this morning, I noticed that. We have almost leaves on the trees. I'm so excited. You know, I try not to get depressed in the fall when they're all falling down to the ground, but I just love spring. I love the the newness, the freshness, and I just was saying, Holy Spirit, just blow through us with that fresh wind, um, that freshness that comes in the spring with new life and new growth. I'm just excited. All right i got lots of papers here. Here we go. Um, we're going to go ahead and, um, and take the offering, and if you would uh, prepare your offering, I wanted to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 9. I'm sorry. I was reading there this morning. This is actually 2 Corinthians 9. And again, it's a pretty common verse for forgiving, but I want to highlight a couple things. It says, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. Now, get, this is how much God loves this cheerful giver that you're about to hear. He takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And I love that because, again, we always say God's not looking at the check amount. He's not looking at how much you're throwing in the the offering. He's looking at the heart, isn't he? And so it's it's all about that, that cheerful giving, and, and he loves that. He loves the heart. And here's, here's the benefit of being that cheerful giver. You know, we don't give to get, but this is what God in his graciousness and his mercy does. And he says, and God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing. How many of you could use a little bit more favor and blessing? Okay, I'm raising my hand. All right, me too. And I mean, I don't know that we ever have enough, right? But this is what God does in response to that. He says he's able and I believe willing to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you. Not just a little bit, not just enough to get by, but it says in abundance so that you may always. That doesn't mean sometimes or maybe. It says always and under all circumstances. Everybody say All. All And whatever the need, this is what he, he, he wants to get to you in abundance. To be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. He gives you seed to sow. And so I'm just going to ask you, whatever you can sow joyfully, joyously, and without compulsion, just ask God, do it cheerfully. And then God promises to reap the benefits of favor and earthly blessing. And so, Father, we do give as we are purposing in our hearts here this morning. And we give out of love the same way that you gave to us out of your abundant love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, you may take that offering. All right, I have just a few things I want to bring to your attention. Um, We've been handing out a lot of paper on your um, tables here, so go ahead and you get all your details. I'm not going to read everything, but just to bring to your attention that our performing arts uh, class that's going on on Thursday mornings, uh, for the, those homeschool moms, you know all about this, but they're actually been preparing their performance, and it's coming up on May 4th. Uh, and they're also sponsoring a used book sale. You can either sell your used books or just attend and and see what you want to buy. Um, I don't know about you, what homeschool moms, but I never miss these sales. I bought most of my curriculum used, and um, you know, you use it and then you pass it on. You too, Sandy. <laughs> I know she's a homeschool mom, too. Um, we still have openings on the bus, leaving here from church on Friday, May 26, for the shopping trip. It's a one-day trip. You're going to just stay in Michigan, going to Ikea, and um, that Novi Mall, what's it called? 12 Oaks Mall. That's an awesome mall, I've been there. And, um, oh yeah, and another homeschool. Homeschoolers are just doing lots of things back there. Um, if you're a homeschool mom, there's actually a form that they've started. Um, Thursday, May 4th is the, the next one, and it's just a real great time for the moms to get together and um, and talk about how, how things are going, get some ideas from other homeschool moms. Um, I think it's just a real constructive, uh, productive thing that they're doing back there. All right, if I could please have you watch this exciting video clip.
1: to join me at the Priceless Women's Conference. Listen, this is what I am certain of, is that when women gather, God shows up. And I know that this conference will be no exception. I wanna encourage you to clear your schedules, get those babysitters lined up, grab a friend and meet me at the Priceless Women's Conference. I am bringing a message in my heart that I know is from heaven for you. It's gonna be for every woman who gathers, those who are far from God, those who are close to God. No matter where you're at in your journey with the Lord, I know God has a word for every single woman who gathers. I'm so full of expectation and anticipation for this conference. We're going to have fun. We're going to be encouraged. We're going to be strengthened. And we are going to leave stronger than when we first arrived. So join me at this amazing conference. That's a priceless women's conference. Don't come alone. Come expect it. And I'll see you there.
0: How many of you want to be there? (laughs) All right, don't miss it. Hannah's one of our three speakers. We've been talking a lot about Sheila Walsh, but I wanted you to meet Hannah. She is amazing, and we are so blessed to have her. Super excited and exciting. She's always like that, and she's just got a a hot word for us. I know you will just love her, so don't delay. We do have registration. Um, A laptop in the back, or if you would like to just do a paper registration, um, please do that this morning. We really want to know how many of you are going to be with us, and I have just Really, really, really would love to see our own ladies take full advantage of this priceless experience. You know that um, we haven't done it in 10 years, and I know this is a God thing. And so if God's pulling at your heartstrings, please, please make take the time and register for this and take the time to be there. Because like she said, when women gather, God shows up, and he's got something especially for each one of us. All right. One more thing that I want to uh, mention is that Kairos is this weekend. It's part of our Freedom Ministries. If you've never attended a Kairos, it starts tomorrow, uh, Friday night, 630, and then um, most of the day on Saturday. You can check out the details. It's an amazing time, intense time of just seeking God, hearing God. Um, you will be so blessed. It is a super charged. Time of spiritual growth, if I could say, and um, just check it out online under Freedom Ministries. Uh, Next week, gals, we have Alanka Deaton. How many of you remember her? We've had her several times. She's amazing. She's going to sing for us. She's going to teach. This was kind of a last-minute booking, and I was just so excited that it worked out for us to get her in. And uh, May 11th (laughs) is the last time that we are getting together here for Impact. And gals, I'm going to ask for some testimonies. If you um, have something in your heart to share especially what God has been doing through uh, this year for you through impact. How has God impacted your life through ministry that you've received um, here or in or- just how God has been working in your life. And we're going to have a a few minutes of an open mic, so I'm just kind of giving you the heads up. All right, on May 11, that's our last impact. And it's also, we're going to end our celebration together by having um, a big family-style picnic. So we're going to be just starting in here at 9.30 for worship, like we always do, have a fun time together, sharing together. And then at 11, we're all going to dismiss, pray for good weather, please. Okay, like even a day like yesterday would be awesome. But it's going to be all outdoors. It's going to be hot dogs, hamburger lunch, and a great show um, for the kids. Farmer John is going to be here. He's got a dog that does more tricks than I've ever seen. It's just so much fun. So um, it, it's just entertaining. I mean, I was just mesmerized for like 45 minutes. I thought it was the best street show I've ever seen. So um, I'm, really, I'm really encouraging you guys. Uh, if you know some gals who haven't been able to come for a while, say, hey, you can't miss the last one. It's just going to be so much fun. Make sure that they know about it, okay? And just so you know, uh, in the last three years, we've done a summer life group Bible study in the summer, and I just asked God if we were supposed to do it this summer, and we're taking one summer off. I love, I'm sorry, Karen, I know, we just had such a great time, but I, I love doing it, but I feel like it's wisdom this year that we're going to kind of settle in. You all know you've been very sweet to Rachel. She's been wonderful, but after the conference, we felt like we need this summer to really get our dance steps together all right because it's been it's been a crazy party uh, in our office just trying to get ready for the conference so you can pray for us anytime God shows you okay all right and the last thing is um because we won't be meeting all summer long here for Thursday morning I want you to remember August 14th everybody say August 14th We're gonna be doing our third annual Laugh Impact, and that's been a blast too. There will be a a, a $5 ticket that you'll start hearing about, um, and it'll be available all summer long in the um, workshop. So just heads up on that. We've we've invited River City Improv back because they just kinda are way too much fun. Yeah, that's an audience participation kind of fun, and you never know what's gonna happen, but that's part of the fun, so. All right, ladies enough... Enough of me, less of me and more of Sandy. Uh, (laughs) We are really excited that Sandy is back with us. Sandy, you're just one of our favorites and always love to have her back. Um, She's one of us here at Res Life, but she travels extensively speaking at women's conferences. She is an author uh, and she does have a merchandise table in the back. If I could mention, she brought her beautiful wife book this morning. It's $15. She has some back there, right? And so visit um, her merchandise table back there on your way out. I first met Sandy through her beautiful womanhood ministry. And I hosted, I think, two years, a group in my home. And to this day, those gals are still really near and dear to my heart. So she's all about connecting women with women with God. And I know she just has a hot word for us this morning. So you're already here, but let's welcome her anyway. Love you. (laughs)
1: I guess I couldn't wait to get up here. <laughs> anyway, it's good to see you this morning, and I am really excited about this topic that you guys have been delving into for the past few weeks. Loving well. Sometimes we tend to make our life as a as a Christ follower very complicated, and we think, oh, we have to remember this, we have to remember that. We've we've got to implement this into our life and that into our life. When really, everything boils down to loving well. Loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbor as ourself. So I've entitled my message this morning, Loving Well in a Tug-of-War World. So we're going to demonstrate a little bit about Tug-of-War. Who played Tug-of-War in grade school? Oh, not everybody. Wow. You did? Okay. So I love... Yeah, girls. They're not competitive. Go easy. All right. Give me a little slack. Give me a little slack here. Please. (laughs) Cindy. Who knows? Uh, Well, first, let's describe tug of war. For those of you that don't know, it's when opposing team members on the opposite side of a rope pull in the opposite direction, and the goal is to get the other team over the center line. Now, when I was young and played this in grade school, I don't know what there was about this contest, but it brought out the competitive beast in me. And at the time, um, in about fifth grade, when we were really getting into this, I was five foot ten, full height that I am right now in fifth grade. And one hundred and ten pounds, so you can imagine the beam pole that I looked like, and I would throw every ounce of my weight, every inch of my height into this game. It was almost as if I was willing the other team over to my side so okay let 's get a little tension here so. Tug of war is meant to be a contest, but some of us have adopted tug of war as a mindset in our relationships or in with people that we just happen to meet or brush against. Tug of war becomes a mindset, and we we want to force people over to our way of thinking. Yeah, there is a real contest going on here. <laughs> we, we just, you know, we, when someone disagrees with something that we've done, maybe when someone disagrees with our thinking, maybe someone has called us out on something. Maybe they've even just said something in passing and we've taken offense. That rope snaps taut and it's like game on. Game on. <laughs> so this morning I want to ask you, what, what would happen? Do you think it's even possible for this game of war, this rope of war, to actually become a lifeline, for you to draw closer to the person on the other side? So the word tells us in Colossians 1.17 that in Jesus Christ, all things are held together. Now, let's look at this verse with a little bit of context. In this passage in Colossians, the Lord is talking about Christ being the head of his body, the church. He's talking about redeeming everything and everyone. That's why he came. In in the voice translation, it said that he came, died, and bled peace. He bled peace to reconcile everyone to him. So I want to suggest that in Christ, with the Holy Spirit inside of you, he will hold the tension that you feel when somebody disagrees with you or offends you. So we're going to try and experiment here. Okay, so I'm going to pretend like I'm the Holy Spirit. It's just pretend. I don't feel like I am. And uh, I want you to use the rope, girls, to try to come closer to me. Kind of like you're climbing up a mountain. Does that work? Yes, it does. And this is my bicep workout for the day because you guys were not going easy on me. <laughs> my legs are shaking up here. <laughs> this, this kind of a situation where you feel tension... When that rope snaps taut and you are feeling the tension in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, is exactly the scenario, the situation, the God-given moment that could bring you closer to that other person. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well done. (laughs) So we're going to talk about this throughout this message because... We all have plenty of times in our life where that rope just goes whap, and what are we going to do? Immediately, most of us instinctively begin to think in terms of me against you, us against them. A lot of people are doing this in the church today. A lot of people are doing this. It's, it's so sad. I'm seeing it on Facebook a lot, especially during the election when some dear friends of mine who I respect greatly are being vicious in the way that they're portraying their, their way of thinking, their side of thinking. So that's just one example. But when that rope snaps taut, I want you to picture this, this rope at that moment and say, I am going to hold the tension with Jesus. I want you all to say that with me. I am going to hold the tension with Jesus. One more time. I am going to hold the tension with Jesus. When he is helping you hold the tension of that moment He will give you what you need to move closer to the person who's caused your rope to snap taut. And he will help you hold the tension. So everybody immediately in those first moments begins to think of us against them, me against you. But then we start acting out of that. And I would suggest that most of us would act in one of two ways, fight like my two demonstrators did. It's like, all right, I'm going in my way, and I'm going to convince you that I'm right, or I'm going to tell you what I think of you. But others of you will say, I don't want that tension. I don't want that pressure, and you flee. You're not going to engage. I can totally relate to that, being a peace lover myself, a lover of peace. Sometimes I prize peace more than I prize truth and I will just run away. Uh, But don't get me wrong, there are other times when I just fight. It kind of depends on the situation or the moment or how cognizant I am that the Lord is right there, the Holy Spirit is right inside of me to help hold the tension of that moment. You see, Christ came into the world to redeem us. And those of us that are sitting in this room, most of us are probably in relationship with Jesus Christ. We already know him, and yet there's such division in the church. There's such division between people in the church. And I just had a situation just maybe three weeks ago with a dear friend a dear friend, one of those lifelong friends, and she began to share something about one of my children in a very negative light. (laughs) Uh That did not sit well with me. And it brought out the fight. (laughs) It was like, game on. You want to say that? Well, I'm going to tell you this. And I didn't... Well. I held back, you know, if any casual observer would have um, been watching the situation, they would have thought, well, she used nice words, <laughs> but my body language is screaming, put him up, that's not right, This is this child is a child in whom I am well pleased, and that is not right, and I... Blah, you know, just she said her stuff and I said all my stuff. And then I don't know how we did it except for the power of the Holy Spirit in the room and we we're both believers. But somehow we managed to get past that moment, did not resolve it. But we got past that moment and ended the evening civilly with a hug. <laughs> ah, we find ourselves in those tug of war moments a lot. What about you? You Have some tug-of-war relationships, tug-of-war situations that you're in? As I mentioned, Facebook is a place for a lot of people to vent. And uh, it's sad what I see Christians doing and see, the thing that Satan is trying to do is he wants it to divide Christians. He wants Christians divided because it's the church that is going to get the world. But right now, what the world sees is a bunch of crazy, turn-on-each-other people who say they follow Jesus Christ. So it's just so important that the church remains unified under him, the body, and that we use... His help holding the tension of those difficult moments with each other to bring us closer to each other. Because we are ambassadors of redemption as well, of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of reconciliation. And if we don't get it right in the church, we're not going to get it right in the world. And if we're getting it right in the world and not in the church, that's kind of backwards. It's just backwards. So what do you do? What do you do when that rope snaps taut? Do you fight or do you flee? How about, does anybody know of a a friend or a person that disagrees with you about sexuality? The whole homosexual, lesbian, gay, LGBT, that dialogue? I think we probably all do. And probably a lot of us have someone very close to us with whom we disagree on that subject. That's a situation that you might encounter. Maybe somebody has said something bad about you. Maybe they've lied about you. Maybe they've gossiped about you. And that rope just goes. And instead of using it as a lifeline to get closer to someone and stay in unity, it draws you further apart. There are all different scenarios that we could go through. Maybe some of you are my age, and you have adult children who are making bad choices, and you're watching the pain of that, and you just, it's like, oh, there's so much tension in this moment. There's all sorts of situations where we feel the tension of a tug of war. But holding the tension with Jesus gives you greater strength, to move closer to those with whom you disagree. I want to talk about some challenges in doing this so that we can get real with one another. Some of us don't want to, um, we struggle, I'm going to read this from my notes because it's so good, fear of compromising the truth. We have a fear of compromising the truth. So, When it's maybe an issue of sexuality or a political disagreement, maybe the sanctity of human life. Um, Maybe it's your husband who has said something about you that you think, eh, that's not true. I mean, we we fear compromising the truth. And so what do we do? I did not think my, my friend was speaking the truth. So what did I do? I failed to listen to her. I did not listen to her. It's like the blood began to boil up and it just totally filled my ears and I just saw her mouth moving after a while and nothing was getting in. Nothing was getting in. We fail to listen when we are afraid that um, to listen might somehow compromise the truth. We must listen and we must listen with empathy before we can speak the truth. And quite often, we need to speak the truth in different situations. That's an important part of this whole process. But if we fail to listen, um, we're not loving well. We are not loving well. Now, I'm not talking about abusive um, conversations. I don't think anybody should stand for listening to abusive conversations. I would say if you can't Stop talking this way. I'm, I'm going to have to leave the room. But in the case of my friend, she wasn't being abusive. And it was important that I listened to her to understand what it was that she was saying so that she would feel that I was empathizing with her, that I was taking in what she was saying. And when we're afraid of compromising the truth, we get pretty loud and we fail to listen. So what do you do at that point? What do you do at that point? Uh, I was recently coming home from a prayer conference with a friend, and we could not be more opposite. But I dearly love this woman, and uh, we did not vote the same way in the election. And we started this. Con- she started this conversation about um, Planned Parenthood and how important it was that that not be defunded. Of course, I did not share her feelings about that. And it's like immediately I sensed the Holy Spirit said, I'm here to hold the tension of this moment. Normally, I would want to just boom, 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 give her all my facts first and never listen later. So she was telling me all these things and just getting very heated and very passionate about it. And I, I literally I think in terms of words, so I'm hearing the word tension, tension, tension in my head. Um, But for those of you that think of pictures, I hope that you will picture that rope. And so it's like, okay, Lord, all right, I'm listening to her, I'm listening to her. And I was able to do one thing that I think is key when you're afraid of compromising the truth. Is there a place where you can agree? Is there a place where you can agree? And try to find that place. And so there was a place where I could agree with her that Planned Parenthood does offer services to women that might not be able to afford them otherwise. And some of it's just basic health care. And I said, you know what? That is so important. It's so important that women have good health care. And that kind of (laughs) You know, discombobulated her a bit. She didn't expect me to agree with her. And that's when I was able to speak into the situation. And I said, did you know um, who founded Planned Parenthood and why? And no, she didn't know that. So I shared that with her, and I could tell that that kind of took her by surprise, too. So we found a place where we could agree and I could speak truth into the situation, and instead of separating us, we were able to come a little bit closer together. So that's one challenge that you may face with that holding the tension. If you are afraid that um, engaging with someone that you might compromise the truth, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can still listen, and you can try to find a place where you can agree. And with the Holy Spirit holding the lion's share of that tension, your mind is freed up to think more quickly. If I am afraid, if I'm like, I can't believe she's saying this right now, I totally do not agree. It's like my mind goes on lockdown, and I don't have a creative thought. But if I'm cognizant of the fact that the Holy Spirit is is there to hold the tension My mind is free for the Holy Spirit to give me the words that I need when I need them. Another challenge in holding the tension is um, personal guilt. (laughs) It's a fear of exposure. Sometimes you may be the person on the wrong side of the line and somebody's called you out on something and you're feeling the tension of the moment, but you've got this tremendous fear of exposure. Nobody likes to be called out on something or nobody wants somebody to get mad at them for something that they've done. And so uh, you're either gonna fight or flee. So I'm gonna give you kind of a benign example of this. It's happened to me twice in the last two weeks. Um, I was speeding down Baldwin. I had left somewhere, and I was speeding down baldwin and I think I was up to fifty five in a school zone when school is being let out. <laughs> to make matters worse, my two grandchildren attend that school. <laughs> so I was speeding, and all of a sudden, my consciousness is penetrated I, I just wasn't paying attention that was that was what was going on but I heard somebody laying on the horn. And then out of the peripheral view of my eye, I could see somebody coming right up next to my car and slowing down. Oh, oh, that's an intimidating moment, right? Um, A lot of times, I would just like duck my head and not acknowledge it. (laughs) Or at other times, I would go (laughs) But I was thinking of this in that moment. It was like the tension. And I thought to myself, I'm wrong. I'm speeding. So I thought, I'm going to roll down my window. And I'm sure I know what he was expecting. <laughs> well, I rolled down my window. He rolled down his, and he was just lit into me do you know where you are? Do you know what the speed limit is? Do you know that the children are getting out of school right now? I mean, he was just telling me the truth in a very loud way. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, oh, I wasn't paying attention. I'm so sorry. I said, I do care about the children. And he, (laughs) he went like this. It was a full circle and then a back. And he said, well, we should care for the children. (laughs) I was guilty. I had to admit it. I don't know what there is with me and driving lately, but yesterday I was on the east side of 28th Street, and I realized quickly that I was in the wrong lane to get to Myers because I promised my husband three times that I would pick up coconut oil, and I still hadn't done it. So I got... I have a little car, and I could see that there was room for me to go right into the front spot of the light. Yeah. Well, the guy behind me didn't like it at all. And he, again, laid on his horns, and in the rearview mirror, I could see him going like this. So this is what I did. I opened my door, and I'm sure he was thinking, What? I I turned my head around and I said, I'm so sorry, I needed to be in this lane to get to Myers. And again, he said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) People don't expect you to admit when you're wrong. Now, I realized that um, it's actually getting easy for me to do this in driving scenarios, much harder with my husband, (laughs) much harder. And in fact, we were doing so well the other night and uh we're coming home and talking about a subject that's kind of raw in our life right now and um i could tell that he was going to try to direct me in what i should do when all i really wanted him to do was listen to what i was saying and boy i put up all the walls and didn't allow the lord to hold the tension of that moment so You know, where sometimes I do it right, sometimes I don't. But it's it's the fear of exposure can be a challenge to allowing the Holy Spirit to take hold of that rope. Some of you have a fear about what you don't know. You you don't know how to engage someone with valid points concerning an opposite viewpoint. And so you just choose to flee. Uh, One of my children has professed atheism and it's one of the painful uh raw places in my life that I pray a lot for and i feel so <clears throat> so wow <clears throat> so much tension and bile in my throat evidently <laughs> when he is sharing some of his thoughts and his ideas mm. thank you and uh usually in the past, I would kind of, uh, it just kind of shut down. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm coming alive. I'm listening and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, open my mouth and fill it. Open my mouth and fill it. Where can I agree with my son? What is it that you want me to say? I have to say, I have an absolutely dynamic relationship with this child, and I am so proud of him. I I called him up the other day, and I said, you are one of the least judgmental people I know. You know, and I'm just engaging him in relationship and coming close, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I am trusting that the Lord is going to hold the tension in those moments when I hear words come out of his mouth that I don't want to hear so that I can stay there face forward, shining brightly with the love of the Lord and reflecting his character in my life. They don't have a lot of people that do that for them. Um, Fear of confrontation. Some of you leave this uh, scenario of tension because you hate confrontation, and I'm with you. I don't like it either. But we have to remember we are God's ambassadors of reconciliation. We have got to rebuke a spirit of fear and enter dynamically into these opportunities to come together, both with those in the church and both uh, and outside the church. We need to take advantage of every opportunity and realize that God's gonna hold that tension if you just recognize him in that moment. I want each one of you to go home thinking, tension, tension, God is gonna hold the tension. God is gonna hold the tension with me. It makes a tremendous difference once you are aware of his presence there to help you and realize that this tension is a God-given opportunity. It's a God-given given opportunity. It becomes a life, a lifeline in the hands of Jesus. So last year at this time, my husband and I decided to sell our farm where we had lived for 24 years. It was a big deal for us. Um, one of my children had gotten married there. We had a lot of weddings there. We had animals in and out throughout the year. So many memories with children and then grandchildren. It was awesome, awesome place to live. And at the same time, my husband and I were thinking, huh, we're done. We're so done with the farm. The kids left us with all the work, and we were just tired. So we sold our home, and we started looking for a new home. And this was not as easy as it might sound. My husband and I are extremely different. I really wanted to live downtown in a high-rise, and he wanted to go further out. And... Uh, yeah, it was, it was a struggle. When we chose the farm, it was with our children in mind, and now we had to come to agreement about what it was that we wanted in a home. So we went through a number of homes, and some he liked, and I said, I'm sorry, you can live there if you want, but I'm not living there with you. And then others, he's like, Sandy, that doesn't even make sense. And I'm like, but it does. It makes a lot of sense. So then we ultimately, on my birthday no less, I came across on, um, Trulia was my app that I loved. And I found this this house and I said, Tom, I think this is it. And he looked at it and he said, oh my gosh, how quick can we get there? Well, we got there that day. And the next day we were actually able to go through through it. And um, instantly my husband and I could see the potential. It had been on the market for six months incidentally, which I think is fascinating given the, the low inventory on the market, but there was a reason for it. When you looked um, at the house from the outside and the surrounding land, you would say, heaven, and you walk through the front door and you'd say, hell. <laughs> so my husband and I have a lot of vision, and so we decided this was the house for us. So everything was going along quite smoothly until we got the survey back, which indicated that our septic system and our utility shed was on the neighbor's property. Who knows? You don't want to buy a house without a septic system. Oh, and half of our driveway was also on their land. So we did some investigation and found out that the previous um, that the, the the neighbors that still lived there. Um, when they built their house, they built too close to the lot line. And so the gracious man who lived in the house that we were trying to buy at this point, at that time, um, just said, well, let me give you all of this footage right here, and then you can move in. He gave it to him with the idea that that would be given back later. Well, I don't know what happened because I wasn't there, But somehow this got, the second step of giving it back was forgotten, never happened, and now we're just discovering it as we're trying to purchase this house. So it's like, all right, let's come together, you know, let's come together in the middle. And uh, the seller and the neighbor weren't having any of that. So what do you do when you get in a fight? You start name calling, right? That's what I did. I started name calling. It was the angry seller in the greedy neighbor. And that's how I referred to them over and over and over because the neighbor didn't want to give it back. Even after we wrote a letter reminding him of the story because we had gotten it from the previous owner, um, they didn't want to give it back. In fact, they wanted it for a lot of money. And when the seller heard that, he started saying some not very nice things to and about the neighbor. So Tom and I were in the middle of this trying to, uh, you know, keep it together, keep it together. I'm named Colin, even while, you know, I'm in the middle, You, you greedy neighbor, you angry seller. And when the Holy Spirit said, stop it, (laughs) Stop it. Stop calling them angry and greedy. It took me about three days to reverse that trend. But I did. And then um, it was clear that this was not going to get worked out very quickly at all. And so my husband said, your full-time job is to find us a place to live right now. So we ended up in a little condo downtown where we're still living. This was last June when all this started. We're still living there. And... um, uh, finally, what happened in this is that we had to buy the land. The seller was unwilling. he was willing to do all sorts of mean and nasty things, but not buy that land and the neighbor was unwilling to give it back. so we ended up taking on quite a bit of additional cost, and we closed on the property on june thirty one or on january thirty one now it 's undergoing the, revel, uh, the renovation that it desperately needed, so it 's no longer a stupid house. And um, so now we're there, and we're owners, and we own the the septic system. We own the utility shed. We own the driveway. We see where the marker is that we paid all that money for. And the other night, two nights ago, two nights ago, uh, we are shoveling up three years' worth of leaves. You can't rake three years' worth of leaves. You have to shovel them. They're about three or four feet deep. In places. And we're putting it in our utility tractor, and we are backing it up to our side of the property where there's a ravine that needs to be filled in lest it continue to erode when our neighbor comes out. And I said, hello. Where are my cookies? (laughs) I didn't say that. And um, she said, You do know this is the property line. I said, I know it very well. (laughs) Do you want to be good neighbors or what? I said, yes, we do. And I want you to know, ladies, the blood. (sighs) I could barely listen. My ears were beginning to shut down when I felt the tension and the Holy Spirit said, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I started to breathe again. The blood went down a little bit so I could keep engaging in the conversation. She said, well, good neighbors would not put the leaves here. <laughs> I said, well, we see that your land has eroded there, so we're just trying to put it on our land here so that it doesn't erode. We want to maintain and care for every inch that we bought. Laughter And uh, she said, well, this is just terrible. You shouldn't be doing this. And I said, well, we're going to. She turned around and she said, well, I'll see you in court. Oh, boom. I wanted to just lambaste her with something at that moment. But I still felt the Holy Spirit's presence there. And it's like, "Mm, don't do it. Don't do it. And so she just walked away. So That is a situation that can cause such tension, but if she is a follower of Christ, she doesn't understand the law of love and generosity. Maybe she is a follower of Christ. Maybe she does know Jesus Christ, but my witness is important right now and we have a small group, Lori's in our small group back there, that has been praying for us through this process because it's very difficult to be loving, to love well in these situations that cause such tension. So I just want to leave you with the thought that when you feel the rope snapping taut, I want you to remember that if Jesus, if you and introduce him into this situation. If you say, Jesus, help me hold the tension, he will, and you will be loving well. So now what I want you to do is at your tables, I want you to open up. I want you to be vulnerable and transparent. This is a safe place. What's said at these tables, I want to stay at the tables, and I want you to just um, talk about, is there a tug of war situation in your life right now? Is there someone with whom you are uh, you're feeling the tension of that moment. Then go on and say if you tend to fight or flee. And then um, I'd like you to pray for each other at the table dependent upon which area um, you tend to go in. And let's encourage each other to love well in a tug-of-war world. Great. Good.